Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Awesome. Again, welcome this morning. We are in the middle of a series called Giants Will Fall. And this really came out of prayer. I was praying in January about this year as we started the church and just asking, okay, God, like what, what, like, what do you have for me? What do you have for us? And just as I was praying, I just really sensed the Lord just like this echoing in my spirit of Giants Will fall. And the, the topic this morning is one that's a giant for many of us. Okay, it's, it's a massive thing in our lives. And we're talking about the giant of fear, worry, and anxiety. Okay, now even as I say those words, some of you are like, oh gosh, right? You know, we have all faced fear, worry, and anxiety. In fact, this has become quite epidemic um, in our time period 18.1% of adults are battling an anxiety disorder of some, of some kind. We have uh, 25% of our kids ages 13 to 18 are battling anxiety disorders right now. 31.1% uh, of adults, a third of us, will face at some point in our life a battle of anxiety, okay, a fear of worry. And in fact, a 2017 study found that those living in higher income nations, uh, obviously we live in a very wealthy nation, we are actually more likely to suffer from general anxiety disorder than those who have less money in their nations. We're actually more prone to it as, as the notorious B.I.G. said, mo money, mo problems, right? That's, we all have mo money, mo problems. It's, it's something that we all deal with in ladies bad news statistically you are more prone to struggle with fear and worry and anxiety especially you moms I know sometimes with your little ones you worry you have fears right and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning and to do that I want us to look at um, Matthew 6 if you have a copy of the scriptures and want to turn with me um, we're going to have that also for you on the screens but we're going to look at the words of Jesus about fear worry and anxiety and this is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most uh, important and, and most famous teachings of Jesus. This entire passage that stretches over several chapters in Matthew. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 6, verse 25. And the heading in my Bible says this, the cure for anxiety. It says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? 
Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. About a year ago, I was in the process of being trained to do this, to to plant a church. I was with a fantastic organization called the the Houston Church Planting Network. And the entire year, uh, I'm being um, uh, developed and trained towards this big assignment. And the big assignment is called the prospectus. This is where you lay out like your plan, your, your mission, your vision, your strategy, your, your goals. All these things are laid out in this prospectus. And you're gonna be sharing that prospectus with people that are, um, that are considering uh, joining your church plant or other pastors that you might be sharing the vision to, people that might support you financially. And so all the guys, I've got seven other guys going through this, this program with me. We're all being trained and we're all like starting to feel the jitters about the prospectus, right? We're like, oh gosh, this is the big one. This is the big kahuna. This is the big assignment that we're all gearing up for. And as we're getting closer and closer and closer, I just started to have this greater sense of anxiety about it. I remember I was sitting there in a a conference table with these other seven guys and a couple guys that were coaching us. And it was time for us to kind of do a mock presentation, not even the real presentation, just a mock presentation. And I, I, I just got up and I just had this feeling, like this overwhelming feeling of anxiety. Like I could feel everyone's eyes piercing through my soul, right? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm, I feel like I'm visibly shaking as I'm standing there. I stutter, I, I can't get the words out. And I just had to say, guys, I'm sorry, I, I need to take a pass, right? It's like anxiety just overwhelmed my soul. It almost felt out of control, like a giant in my life. Now, I've spent most of my adult life standing in front of groups of people in churches leading music. I've led groups of all sizes and never once have I had something like that happen to me. I think all of us deal with fear, worry, and anxiety in some way and it's really, really unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Now, there are healthy fears, right? There are things that God gives us that are healthy fears. Like when you're driving and a car is coming towards you and they swerve into your lane, right? You react because there's a fear and it's a healthy fear that God gives you that tries to preserve your life, right? If, if you handle guns, if you're a hunter or someone who goes to the gun range, you practice gun safety because you have a healthy fear of what that gun can do, right? If you're someone like Zach Lambert at Mercy Goods, when he's working with saws or, or tools and he's training his guys, he's teaching them tool safety because he knows like that saw can take your hand off or your finger off, right? We practice healthy 
fear. And in fact, the Bible talks about a healthy fear called the fear of the Lord. If you've ever read the book of Proverbs, it is full of passages about the fear of the Lord. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord prolongs your life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life over and over again. It talks about, even Jesus said it. He said, why do you fear those who can kill your body and do nothing else? talking to, to believers that would be persecuted. He says, but no, I'll tell you the one to fear. Fear the one who not only can kill the body, but who has the power to throw people into hell after they die. Meaning, look, you need to have a reverence for God, and, and that's good, and that's healthy to have a fear of the Lord, to know like, wow, his say is the final say, and he is the power above all powers, and to humble ourselves. Like, that's healthy fear. But living constantly in a fear that consumes us, like not a healthy reverence for God, not an awe of him, not a a healthy fear of like actual danger, but the things that we convince ourselves are dangerous, but that really aren't. You probably know what I'm talking about. I'll give you some examples of of unhealthy fears that we face. Uh, One that's common for us is like we have a fear of not having enough. Right, it's like every month you're like, are we gonna have enough money? Are we gonna have enough money? I think we're gonna have enough money, but I'm looking at our bank account, I'm like calculating how many days are left in before the payday, and I'm like, I don't know. We have a fear that consumes us about money or about time, right? A fear of not having enough energy or patience or retirement savings. Even as I say that, some of you are getting fear as I talk about retirement, right? A fear of death, like constantly Googling things like, I think I have a spot on my face. I think I have a spot on my back. I think, you know, like we're constantly Googling things, worried about fear of death or fear of threat, right? As we enter into the election cycle, guess what? The politicians are going to come out and they're going to say, look, y'all need to vote for me because if you don't, like all the nations are going to come and, and, and we're, we're going to be invaded or something like that. They're going to pull on levers of fear saying, look, we're under threat and you need to be afraid. And that's why you need to vote for me. There's a fear of legal threat or fear of taxes, or if you've been in an abusive relationship before and you just constantly, even though you're not maybe with that person, but you still have a fear of threat from other people. It could be a fear of loss. Like, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my health, I'm gonna lose opportunities, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose time, or it's the fear of missing out. FOMO. Have you ever heard that before? FOMO. It's like social media feeds this thing where we're like, we got to keep scrolling every minute because we might miss something. A fear of missing out. Maybe it's a fear of, of losing a relationship or a loved one, right? Losing love. It could be a fear of other people, fear of man. It could be being afraid of rejection and and failure and disapproval and judgment and inadequacy and looking foolish. We have fears that constantly call to us. If you've ever ridden in an airplane before and uh, you get up in the sky and those engines get going and you get that like nice hum, right? The the thing that makes you wanna fall asleep on an airplane, right? That low hum that's constant. I think many of us live our lives with a constant low hum of fear. 
Like it's just always there right under the surface of our hearts, just constantly feeling fear, worry, stress, and anxiety. And here's the thing, 85% of what we worry about never ever happens. It's futile to fear. Uh, uh, one guy, his name is Michael De Montaigne. He said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Jesus says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Or Zig Ziglar, he was a famous business guy. He would say F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real, right? False evidence. 85% of the things that consume us with worry and fear and anxiety never, ever happen. As I think about fear, I think we can look at, it, at this in three basic categories. That we, we tend to fear lack, like fear of lacking something. And in fact, in verse 26, look, look at what Jesus says. He says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? He's saying, look, you guys are worried about having enough. You're afraid that you're going to lack. And just, just remember, right, the birds, how your father feeds them. In verse 27, he says this. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? The, the other thing that we fear is not just fear of lack, but it's a fear of loss. Like we're, we're afraid we're going to lose something, right? If you have a, a big decision in your life and you're thinking about what do I do and you're filled with fear about this decision, many times there's a fear of loss. Like I'm gonna lose my ability to do this if I do that. I'm gonna lose my freedom. I'm gonna lose these things if I make this decision. And lastly, it's a fear of others. In fact, the, the next portion of this sermon, Jesus starts with this statement. He says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Most of the time when we have a fear, a lot of, it's, it's a fear of other people. Like what are they gonna say? If I do this, what will people say about me? Will they judge me? David, the, uh, the iconic one who conquered the giant Goliath, the one that we started this series looking at in Psalm 27, verse one, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Meaning we fear people. So we have three categories, fear of lack, fear of loss, and fear of others. And these things have an effect upon us, don't they? They, they really affect our lives. If, if we talk about the emotional, spiritual part of fear, it consumes us, right? It will run us ragged. Paul in Romans 8.15, he says that we've not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into Fear, meaning this, he's saying fear will enslave you, right? It is a harsh taskmaster. It will paralyze us. 
the first week we looked at, at Israel and they're standing up on this, this one cliff, right? This one hill and, and there's the ravine in the middle and the Philistine army is standing on the other and Goliath, right? He steps down into that valley and he begins to taunt them. It's like saying, bring out your best. Let me, let, 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 let me fight them. We'll settle this right now. And it says that they were filled with fear and their courage melted away. They were literally paralyzed. You see, fear has a way of freezing us. It it makes us stand still when we should move forward. It'll make us cowardly. It'll make us retreat when we should step out. I mean, if you've ever had an opportunity to, to uh, do something that you know God was calling you to do, right? You, you had this opportunity to share with somebody or to, to do something that was in your heart to do. And the moment came that the, the heavens part and the angels sing and the person says, tell me about your faith. And you're like, and you just freeze and you're like, you're paralyzed by fear, right? Fear will freeze us. There was a quote um, by a pastor named Jared Stevens. He says, Satan can use fear as a weapon against believers, attempting to immobilize believers and prevent the advancement of the kingdom. You see, we do have a real enemy. We have a real adversary, and he traffics in fear. He intimidates. He tells us. He whispers to us, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. If you step out, here's what they're going to say about you, right? He intimidates. He seeks to freeze us, immobilize us through fear. Now, that's spiritual and emotional effects, but let's talk about relationships, right? This has an effect on our relationship. If, if you've been a person who has been filled with fear or you're around someone filled with fear, you, you know that this creates almost like a, a static zone around your friendships. It, it fills the air. It, it creates uh, an environment around you. And so when people are around you or you're around someone filled with fear, it kind of rubs off on you. You start feeling more fearful and you're like, oh gosh, wait, maybe they're right. Maybe we should worry about this thing, right? You, you begin to feel the fear of those around you. It, it leads us into bizarre behaviors and bizarre responses to situations. And, and here's the thing, it will suck the life out of your relationships. It leads us to control. At the, at the root of control is always fear. And lastly, it has health consequences. You were not made to live in constant fear. Like God did not design your body to live that way. Now, when you have a fear of someone hitting you or, or, or you know, a wreck or something, you have that adrenaline response and your body releases cortisol and it helps you kind of manage. But if you're living constantly with that state of mind, that state of being, your body is not made for that. And it will actually have health consequences for you. So we know fear is epidemic, right? We're, we're all going to be touched by it in some way. It's unhealthy. God doesn't want this for us. We're not made for this. But what is our hope? Like, what's the hope for us? How do we handle these things? And does following Jesus, does knowing him actually change anything about our scenario? Well, I think it does. And, and, I, and here's what I think the Lord teaches us to do with our fear. 
I want to walk through this passage together and just look at what are these main things that Jesus points out to us. I'm going to start in, in verse 25. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, the first thing that Jesus does is he begins to help them name their fears. And if you're battling fear, I want to encourage you to do this. Name it. Like, do some soul work. This past week, I was in a conversation. It wasn't a bad conversation. It was a good conversation. But that conversation just kind of started to bug me. And, and I was driving from a meeting, and that thing just kind of bothered me. I was like, what, like, what's going on? And it's like, I'm recognizing there's fear going on inside of me. It's like that low hum is rising inside my soul. And so what I did is I grabbed my journal, and I spent 15, 20 minutes, and I stopped. And I was like, okay, let me just say, like, what exactly am I afraid of? Like, what is this? Like, identify the fear. Name it first. Okay, name your fear. Because many times fear is like a fog, right? It's like we, we get into things in life and, and, and just life's fast and busy and we have this low hum and we don't really even know what it is we're facing. We have to stop and name it. Name your fear and then in verse 30, Jesus uses this phrase. He says, you of little faith. Jesus brings faith into the fear conversation. Why? Well, here's the deal. The Israelites are facing Goliath. He begins to taunt them, right? They're filled with Fear and in their minds, big giant, small God. You see, faith is strengthened by right belief, but fear feeds on false beliefs. Fear feeds on false beliefs. And so, our second thing is that we have to begin to starve our fears. There's um, a, a, a military tactic called siege. You probably know what this is. When, when there's a city, an army is attacking a city, they will surround that city, and their goal is to cut off the supplies, right? No food, no water, no weapons. They're going to cut off the supply to that city so that they can begin to weaken that city, and that city will eventually surrender, when it comes to dealing with our fears, we have to cut off the food supply. And the food supply of your fear is actually false beliefs. There was a, um, an old fable of a Cherokee brave. He's an elderly Cherokee brave, and he has his grandson. He's a young brave, and he's describing the things of life to the young brave. And he says to the young brave, there are two wolves inside of a man. And the, the, the young brave's listening intently. He says, the first wolf is evil, right? This is, the, um, this is all the, the anger and the envy and the jealousy, the greed, the self-pity, resentment, pride, superiority. But there's another wolf, and this wolf is good, 
This wolf is joy and peace and love and hope and humility and kindness and gentleness and generosity. The grandson is listening and he's thinking and he says, grandfather, which wolf wins? And he looks at him and he says, the one you feed. You see, our fears feed on false beliefs, but here's the thing about faith. Faith is strengthened by right belief. Jesus says to them, you of little faith. And he begins to go through every one of these things and begins to refute their wrong belief. He says this in verse 33. He says, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. So we name our fear, we starve our fear, and the last thing is we shift our focus. When he says seek first, he's talking about shifting our mind from this. We're, we're focusing on the earthly and the temporal, on, on the fears. He's like, no, no, seek first your Father, the kingdom of God in his righteousness. We shift our focus. And the apostle Paul gives us an amazing tool. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he gives a promise. He says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying this, look, here's how you shift your focus. You need to be a person of prayer. When you name your fear and you recognize, okay, here's what I'm really believing. We have to begin to shift our focus by saying, Father, help me. I'm fearful here. I'm believing this thing, but I know that's not true, but it feels true right now. So, Father, I present my request to you. I shift my focus. I put my trust in you and the peace of God, which doesn't even make sense, begins to fill our hearts and our minds. And lastly, it's to rest in your father. I, I think this is really surprising, actually, as I was reading it this week, that the, the thrust of Jesus' argument is this. Don't fear because you have a father. That's what he's saying. If you've ever been a, around a child who's been neglected, maybe they've been left for days on end, they're, they're, or their parents are physically present, but they're consumed with an addiction, and so they're emotionally, spiritually, relationally absent from the child. You'll find that that child has learned to worry about things that that child really shouldn't be worried about. Right? They're, they're thinking, what if mom and dad don't come home today? What if, what if there's no one to feed me today? How will I get to school? What, what, what will I eat? What will I wear? But contrast that, like for example, my kids at my house, they're like, 
you know, they're running around the house screaming, right? They're, they're, they're talking about who won what game, right? They're, they're not even thinking about what am I going to eat today? That like, doesn't even cross their mind. Or like, will I have food or, or clothing or shelter? Will, will mom and dad come home today? Never enters their mind. And so they have this inner childlikeness, right? They can play with their toys, and run in the yard and jump on the trampoline because they're not worried about that stuff. And that's actually the premise of Jesus's argument. You see, we grow up and we think, now everything's on me. I mean, think about that. If there is no God, if you have no father, then you probably should be worried because it's all on you. You've got to go out and make it happen. And if you don't, it's on you, man, right? If, if you're not out there performing, there's no gracious one who's gonna come in and help you in your hour of need. I'm sorry, it's on you. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Don't fear because you do have a father and you need to rest in having a father. You see, fear will feed on the idea that it's all on me. Like no one's gonna provide for me, I've gotta go provide for myself. No one's gonna show up in my hour of need, I've gotta have it all together, right? I've got to make it happen. And Jesus says, no, not true. Cut off that fear, cut off that food supply and begin to replace that with the truth. You have a father. See, self-help says, if you're afraid, tell yourself you're not afraid, and then eventually you'll believe yourself. That's what it says, basically, right? Religion says, you're disobeying God by fearing. Stop fearing. But the gospel says, Jesus paid for every one of your fears to bring you back to your father so that you don't have to fear anymore. He reconciled you. You have a father, and you don't have to fear. This morning, I think what God's giving us is a gift. And here's the gift. It's the gift of repentance. People think that repentance is like, here's fun, and then here's God. And to repent is saying, no more fun. I'm going to God now, right? That's what the world will tell you about repentance. But that's actually not true. Repentance is you're pushing a broke down old nasty car on the side of the road in Arizona heat. And a kind stranger comes up to you and says, hop in with me. And you're like, I love this old broke down car. It's really awesome, but I'm like really tired of pushing it along. And God's saying to us, why don't you jump in with me? Right? Your life, the way that you're pursuing life is a broke down old car. In fact, it doesn't even run. You're having to push it forward and it's not working for you. And the gift of repentance is saying, would you hop in with me? That's what the Father is saying to us. And so as we close this morning, I want us to give us an opportunity to repent of fear. 
What that looks like is saying, Father, I turn from my false beliefs that you were not going to provide for me. My false belief that my worth and value depended upon my performance or my approval from others. I've believed that and I haven't trusted that you actually loved me. And so I'm gonna repent from this dead, old, nasty, funky way of living and I'm gonna turn towards life this morning. Or maybe it's saying, Father, I've been so consumed with myself and my fears that I've not even thought about you or about the others in my life and that's not working for me. And so I'm turning from that to you. I wanna give us that opportunity this morning. Why don't we pray together? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.